sweetie, darling, honey, light of my life, you didn't let me finish. I don't remember if that's the line. You're ruining it. I'm not gonna hurt you. This is turning into Jared Leto's Joker. I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you ever, hold on. I'm just gonna do a little Hold on, dance. I gotta get my Jack Nicholson better. You ever okay. dance, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Why is he Southern for you? Wendy. He's not Southern. <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> That's my, no, ever dance with the devil is my key phrase. Hold on. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Wendy. Darling. Light of my life. I'm going to kill you. It's a scary movie. Hi, I'm Jackson McMurray. Wow, you really fucked up my joke. Here's... I had a joke, and you were like, I can do it. And then you just didn't, okay. you just didn't do you it. You do it then. You do it then. Okay, wait, what if I said, here's Jackson McMurray? And then I'm screaming in the bathroom. Yeah. My name is Allie McMurray. <laughs> yeah, anyway, this is No Allowed, a bad podcast. And I'm, like, trying to push my body through a really tiny window, and you're, like, kind of afraid that I'm going to get, like, stuck or dislocate <laughs> my shoulder. So then I go back into the bathroom, and you're like, oh, no, how's she going to... Shining's a good movie. The Shining's a great movie. You ever thought about how The Shining's like a super good movie? Did you? I think The Shining's a good movie. (laughs) Have you ever watched The Shining? Have you ever just like sat down and watched it? Good flick, good flick. Uh, okay, so here's something that I want to talk about at the beginning, just briefly. Okay. 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 So it's been a there's been a lot of updates on the Marvel movies front the last few weeks, including what I think is the coolest thing in the world, which is that like 30 second Super Bowl trailer for three different TV shows. I know. I really hope that WandaVision is just like a sitcom. I don't want it to have like a real plot. I just want it to be. A <laughs> you just want it to be. I just want it to be the Dick Van Dyke show, but it's the Vision. Right, and Wanda. Vision. Like, that's all. That's, that's a, all I want. In a flannel shirt, just hanging out. Yeah, um, that's all I want. But um, and on top of that, so they announced that Scott Derrickson was not going to direct Doctor Strange two. He left. He was like, "No, nah, I don't want to anymore." And then I got things I instead, do. they brought on fucking Sam Raimi, who's going to take over the project now. Oh, okay. Which is the most insane thing that's ever happened, I feel like. Sam Raimi of the original Spider-Man movies and Evil Dead and other great movies. Do we trust him to make good movies? Yes, what do you mean? He makes very many great movies. I guess I just don't like his Spider-Man, so that makes sense. See, look, see, look. Here's my thing about It's also not the 90s anymore, so it's fine. Right. Here's my thing about Spider-Man. I spent a really yeah. long time on this crusade about how they're actually not good, right? Yeah. And really, I don't really think I believe that anymore. Because my big issue with them was mostly that they were pretty campy and a little bit goofy. And just the optics of it were, like, just a little bit bigger than I sort of want out of a superhero movie. But at the end of the day, there's a lot worse things that a movie could be. Right? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I don't think the Spider-Man movie... I enjoyed the Spider-Man movies deeply. 
but I feel like I don't enjoy them the way that they're supposed to be enjoyed. Right. And the way that people talk about those movies, they don't think it's good in the way that I think it's good. I think it's good in that it's enjoyable and kind of campy and kind of funny that because it's spider-man it's toby fucking mcguire's spider-man <laughs> right. how can you take that seriously it's toby fucking mcguire anyway <laughs> and i haven't but yeah i made that like whole video people, about like, spider-man or go ahead you did but like other people think that those movies are like really really good but like in a serious way right and i'm like that's you're wrong and then they get mad at me because they think it's the best film ever made and i'm like oh guy oh i gotta leave right no yeah i made that whole spider-man movie which i think pretty you much made a whole movie all by yourself you made that movie video about a movie i made that whole video about spider-man which i think pretty accurately conveys what i think about it which is that it's a pretty great movie that i have some issues with i haven't watched spider-man yeah. 2 in long enough to have a, a more adult <laughs> opinion on it do you remember Spider-Man 3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man 3 is great. Spider-Man 3, my opinion has not changed on Spider-Man 3 by any, by any means. just fucking has a regular voice and it's just scrolling <laughs> it's on just... the walls like, Hey, do you want to get back at Spider-Man? <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is so good. Um, really good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is something... I, I have this big theory, okay? Uh, because some casting announcements have been made recently. They announced that um, Christian Bale is going to be in Thor 4. They announced that... Is, is he just going to be Thor now? We don't know. We don't know who he's going to be. Wait, is Thor 4 going to just be Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because there I is just, a Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I don't know Thor 3. 4 is going to work. It's Love and Thunder. It's she Thor. It's Taika Waititi. That whole deal. Oh, that's right. It's not. Okay, yeah. I understand. Um, I understand. What they announced that Ryan Gosling is going to be in Thor 4. And they announced that um, Owen Wilson is going to be in the Loki TV show. As Lightning McQueen. <laughs> Presumably. Right, I, have a, I have serious theories about all three of these. All right. Can I just say, am I the only woman on the planet who does not think that Ryan Gosling is not that attractive? I think you're the only person on the planet who thinks that, he's a little, He's a little skinny. He's a little dorky. Yeah, that's Maybe what... it's just because I haven't seen The Notebook. You haven't seen The Notebook? What have you even seen Ryan Gosling in? Not a lot. I've just seen, pe- seen pictures of him, and then people are like, he's the hottest man alive. And see, I'm like, look, he's not, like, hot it. like a fucking Chris Evans is, where he's just, like, fucking jacked and steamy. You want to make love with him he, right now. He's a charismatic and charming guy on screen. He becomes know, attractive through his through his, his his work. Anyway. But that's not what people say. They just say, oh, my God, Ryan Gosling. That's a valid form of attraction, okay. Adeline. Maybe see him <laughs> in saying, anything. I have not seen him in anything, and so I do not get it. Okay. Um, Listen, Jackson, you can fuck Ryan Gosling all you want. I'm just not interested. I have theories I want to say. I just okay. want to put this on the record because I want it to be known when I'm super right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Owen Wilson in Loki. The right. only footage we have of the Loki show. He's wearing a jumpsuit that, like, a prison jumpsuit that says, like, T, T something. Because it's the, um, it's the time variance police from that one Walt Simonson, uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, so he's in- If Loki just does, like, one thing and then immediately gets arrested. (laughs) Yeah, he's in time jail. That would be hilarious. I think 
it's going to be a big time time travel story. I mean, that's not really new. They've kind of said it's going to be that. I mean, yeah. But I think Owen Wilson is going to be Kang the Conqueror. I think he's going to be, he's never going to have like the goofy purple face or whatever. But yeah. he's just going to be wearing, like, a nice suit, and he's going to be like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm King the Conqueror. I'm the Lord of Time and the Emperor of your future and past and present. Hey, what's up? I'm, <laughs> and I'm the Emperor of your ass. Yeah, exactly. And I th- I th- that's my big one. I think he's going to be King the Conqueror. I think okay. Christian Bale is going to be Norman Osborn in Thor 4. Here's why I think that, right? So Thor, Love and Thunder is based on... The She-Thor story in the comics, in which um, Dario Agar, which is a bad name, but he's yes. this, like, multi-billionaire who runs the world through his corporate whatever, and he turns into a minotaur when he's angry. Oh, um, hell yeah. I think they're going to take that general idea from that comic book that this movie's based on, but they're going to switch it with the green. Yeah. They're going to switch it out with Norman Osborn so they can introduce Norman Osborn as this big giant villain. That's who I think, um, Christian Bale's going to be. And I think Ryan Gosling is going to be a boring, regular guy, kind of like Martin Freeman in black Panther. Gotcha. He's going to be like a dude. I don't dude. know if they would have Green Goblin be a main villain again after the same, same, the Sam Raimi movies. Like, I don't know. I feel like they would get criticized. But, it would be the big giant Ultimate Comics Hulk Green Goblin instead. That's true. That one sucks, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's the best. Um, that's the one that's in the Spider-Girl comic that I checked out at a library once, except it's not. It's like his son. Right. And he's like a big Gorblin guy. And and she's like torn because it's like her cousin or whatever. Right. Anyway. No, a lot of people do that. That's a classic Green Goblin okay. archetype. Anyway, that hasn't been funny. I just want to put those things on the record so everyone can tell me how smart I am when I'm 100% right. Okay. It's not funny. I'll it's, say it, though. <laughs> um, anyway. So, Jackson, yes, The Shining. The Shining. Well, we watched Dr. Sleep today. But now I just want to watch The Shining. Yeah, that's true. The Shining rules. What do you... Okay, well, just in general, I haven't caught up with you at all since you watched it. What do you think about this movie? I... At first... I was like, it's not going to be as good as The Shining. Like, why, why would you make a sequel with The Shining? Right. And then I stopped being an idiot on Twitter for half a second. And I was like, oh, like they're doing, they're doing their own thing and they're having fun with it. And it's a good, enjoyable movie. And overall, I think it's pretty good. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not a masterpiece by any standard, but like it's a good, it's a good movie. I liked this a lot the first time I saw it in theaters. And now yeah. the second time, it's got a little bit of a diminishing return for me. Yeah. I think it's there just too slow parts... a lot of the time. Yeah, there are definitely some parts that I don't like. And I think the pacing is weird. We're jumping around to a lot of things, and it's not always super cohesive. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Because, okay, so here's, here's like, the big thing about this movie. Is that yes. um, Stephen King wrote The Shining, right, back yes. in the 70s. And then uh-huh. Stanley Kubrick was like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm going to make a movie about that. And then he did. And Stephen King was like, Fuck but you. Yeah, he did, and he made it kind of different. Not even really that different, just like a little bit different. And Stephen King and lost I mean, his shit like, about it. And I mean, and Stanley Kubrick did do a lot in like the details, but like overall, like he just kind of changed how Jack dies, and that's kind of. Right. Cool. He changes the ending, and he changes. He like leaves out a bunch of stuff, which. 
is for the better. The kind of stuff he leaves out is like when Jack gets attacked by hedge animals. It's like, no, that would have been fucking stupid in that movie. Um, Somebody said this, and I can't remember who it is, but I thought it was hilarious. They said, listen, like, Stephen King did coke, and sometimes it really worked, and sometimes (laughs) it didn't. Right. No, yeah. Um, Because, yeah, the things that he leaves out are just stupid. It's like, oh, the hedge animals come alive and attack Jack. It's like, that would be fucking dumb. And it's like, oh, Jack (laughs) gets attacked by a swarm of angry bees that come out of nowhere in the hotel. It's like, that's also stupid. Um and, and, you know, just in general, it's a lot more in-depth about the history of the hotel and who the ghosts are and all that kind of stuff. Which, the Shining, which is interesting. Yeah. But it's a movie and we gotta do things. Exactly. Well, which The Shining doesn't show you kind of on purpose. That makes it scarier that you don't know exactly what's happening. Yeah. Right. Which is probably what my biggest criticism of this movie is. Is that I feel like... It's not even that they tell you too much. It just feels like... What what was cool about The Shining is that you didn't really know what was going on with Danny and with The Shining, and like we used it so little that when we did you, when we did get like a look into like what was actually happening, it was like scary, right? And like how the hotel is affecting people. And this one, like The Shining, is just magic. We're just jumping yeah. around and doing wizards and flying through the sky. Right. That shot where Rose is like flying through the sky to find Abra. Yeah, I, I kind of hate that sequence. Yeah, no, I don't like it's it so one stupid. bit. Um, but, but here's what I'm getting to is that, um, like 30 years later in like 2012, I think, um, Stephen King was like, yo, I'm going to write a sequel to The Shining because it's my book and I could do that if I want to. And everyone was like, because it's 2012 and I would like some more money. Please. Yeah, exactly. As if Stephen King's hurting for money. You want to know how many movies yeah. have come out in the last, I don't know, month and a half is based Pennywise on Stephen standing King? directly behind me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um. So he does that, and people are like, this is pretty okay. It's not, like, incredible, but we're like, this is fine. You can do that if you want. And yeah. But the thing about it is that it's a sequel to the book, which ends very differently from the movie, right? Yes. So Dr. Sleep making a adaptation of Dr. Sleep that is also a sequel to The Shining is tricky, because um, they're not the same. They're not the same thing. So you have to yeah, sort what of... Yeah, what was... This one was a sequel to the movie, right? Yeah. Okay, because it would have to be because the hotel explodes in the other right. one, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's both. It is a sequel to The Shining, and it is also an adaptation of Doctor Sleep. It's the same story. Um, and, you know, they do a really interesting job of it. Uh, I haven't read Doctor Sleep. I have read The Shining, though. Um, th- and, you know, the biggest thing, really, is that at the end of The Shining... The boiler explodes and the Overlook burns to the ground as they leave. And that's how Jack dies as he's inside of it as it as it goes down. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so from what I've been told, this the very end of this movie, the climax, takes place inside the Overlook Hotel. Um, and apparently in the book, Dr. Sleep... They play that same story element where they're like, oh, we have to go back because it's this powerful zone where I have good psychic stuff. I Um, I have magic powers, but but more so than I always do. (laughs) Right. Um, But apparently it's still the same, but they just go and it's like a campground now where it used to be. And they're like, oh, check it out. This is where the Overlook was. And it's kind of like a field. And that's where the big climax happens i'm sure it's fine i don't know um (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it's better than you're describing right exactly but um but yeah and it's so cool that you get to see 
the Overlook Hotel explode because of the boiler at the end of this. I know, that's very nice. It's, like, the second that we got there and he, like, goes to the boiler room, I'm like, oh, we're blowing we're this We're blowing it up. up. It's so good. I love that about it. Um, but, yeah, so, um, what are the things, if we're just going to start going through. Um, yeah. This is the second time that Warner Brothers has pulled that, like, old school logo thing. The first one being the Joker, yeah. which we already watched. This- this movie's got a little bit too much of nostalgia effect for me. It like it like The Shining does have some of that too, but that makes sense because we're like in an old hotel and we're talking about its whole past and talking about all the ghosts that live here. So it made sense for it to have like remnants of the past in the music and in design and stuff like that. Like that makes a lot of sense. But then when the girl goes to the movies and they're just fucking watching Casablanca. <laughs> For no fucking reason. Right. And they're always playing. And it, it makes sense with the bad guys, too, because they're, like, from the past. So them listening to old music makes sense after they tell you that they're from the past. But, like, I, it's honestly, it's just the Casablanca thing. What fucking movie theater <laughs> right. in the year of our Lord, 2011, is playing Casablanca? Just <laughs> that happens. Randomly. Yeah, people, there's small movie theaters that do screenings and stuff. But it's stupid. <laughs> I hate <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um... <laughs> But, uh, I don't know. For me, I think the nostalgia factor of this movie is about the same as, like, The Force Awakens, which is, like, it's just a little bit too much. It's not, like, really annoying, but it's just, like, a touch too far to me. Like, I don't like when he has the, Ewan McGregor has the meeting with the pastor, and it's, like, the office from the beginning of The Shining. That, yeah, I, that just didn't make sense. I hated that. I was like, why would it look exactly the same as that other office? This, like, I get and what you're doing, but like, it's stupid. And it's not even like a parallel to like what was happening in the scene. Right. It's, just this weird it's a totally detail. different exchange. Yeah. Yeah, because that is like him like getting the job and we're like learning who Jack is. And it's like the beginning of his descent. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, he just like talk, talks to the pastor, right. the doctor, and then he, then, yeah. he, then he leaves. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, I don't know. And it's just like... I don't know. On the one hand, it does kind of feel good, but it's also just like, I wouldn't have been sad if you didn't do that, you know? Well, when they did it, and I, like, immediately noticed it was the same room. I think they were trying to, I think they thought that I wouldn't notice, and I would find it, like, next time and be like, oh, that's cool. Uh But because I noticed it the first time, I expected it to mean something, and then it didn't, and then I was disappointed. Like, right. I think it was meant to be more of an Easter egg than a plot element, and I wish they had used it as a plot element, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and I think, you know, the thing about The Shining is that, like, practically every single instant of it is just completely iconic, right? Like, you recognize... Yeah. Name a more it's iconic duo. I'll wait. Stanley Kubrick is an insane yeah. person. Um, and it's just... Like, and, you know, they take advantage of that really well, because every time they're showing you things, like, the great example, not to skip around too much, but when you get to the end and you're in the Overlook Hotel, it Mm -hmm. is insane how immediately familiar that space feels when you're watching it. But also, like, they go out of their way to only, I don't know if only, but for the most part, only use like, shots and setups from The Shining, right? They're not shooting it their mm-hmm. own way in the space. They're completely aping, like, the lens choice and where the camera is from shots from The Shining and just putting different things in it, you know? And it has a yeah. really, really powerful effect on you as a viewer, especially if you have seen The Shining 800 times, like I have, you know? Um, not, not to, not to, you know. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. And the rest of the movie does a really good job of sort of borrowing from Kubrick's, like, visual style without totally ripping it off, you know? I guess what I think is weird, what makes this movie feel kind of, like, in a disarray, like, it's a very, like, kind of strewn about mismatchy kind of movie. Right. And I think it is because they steal those shots directly from The Shining. Because when you're in the Overlook Hotel, it's super cool because you notice all those shots that you've seen before. Mm -hmm. But then the rest of the movie is just, like, not like that at all and, like, doesn't have even the same feeling of that at all. Right. Because, I mean, with The Shining movie, we're going to keep comparing this movie to The Shining because you have to because it's a sequel to The Shining. But, like, it's because... Like, The Shining has such a mastery of tone and, like, this, like, su- such a slow descent into madness. It's just done so well in, like, the same location and this tone that just gets more and more severe as, like, the movie goes on. Right. It's crazy. And then this movie just doesn't do that at all in any capacity. It just, it, it's just a regular movie and then there's some horror bits and then we get to the Overlook Hotel and then it's The Shining again. And right. it just, it feels weird. And I get that that's a little bit intentional, but it, it because they are just copying something from another film, it doesn't feel as intentional, you know? Yeah, I don't like, know. I think I disagree because it really is using a lot of the same techniques from The Shining throughout the whole movie. It just doesn't feel as explicit because it's not literally the same shot the from Shining. The Shining the rest of the time, right? The one thing that I am mad about is the way that they use the blood coming out of the elevator, which is to say that they don't. They oh, just what, you wanted, that... the, you wanted the blood to come out of the elevator and wash Rebecca Ferguson away at the end? No, I wanted it... <laughs> if you're not gonna fucking do anything, she just, like, fucking looks at it and then turns away. Like That's what happens like, in The, the Shining. Most... But that's different. <laughs> you can't just show me that thing that we've never like that god they just show it to you and then they're like well that was weird remember that from The Shining and I'm like yes I'm upset. So you're saying you're saying the blood should have come out of the elevator and knocked somebody over and. No I'm saying that Rose should have reacted more to that because she doesn't know what the Overlook Hotel is. She's just like what's up with this weird hotel. Right. So when she turns the corner and blood starts pouring out of the elevator she should be like a ho ho where the fuck are we instead she just like looks at it and then turns around like every hotel i've ever been to is had blood coming out of the elevator doors i don't give a shit about any of this um okay first of all you understand that there's not literally blood coming out of the elevator right i know there's okay, not literally okay. blood coming out I'm of the elevator checking. i'm saying I'm just that okay. she's picking up on the weird shit that's <laughs> right. a part of this hotel and she's just like whatever moving on okay um I Should have reacted more to it. That's <laughs> okay. all I'm saying. No, that's fair. I've been grilling you for too long about it. It's okay. Um, the uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, but yeah, like the moments that really stand out to me are like right at the beginning. There's that certain camera movement that's just like a really abrupt like swing and then stop that they do in The Shining that gets yeah, used yeah, a yeah. handful of times, especially at the beginning. Um, and also those like drone shots they do. Which oh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick does in The Shining, but they weren't drone shots back then, obviously. It was the whole-ass helicopter. Right. Well, no, it wasn't even a helicopter. Because the, the part where it stands out is the maze, right? And that shot yeah. where they, like, pull up from where you are to, like, show the whole thing. Or no, you're not pulling up. You're coming down towards them. Um, but there's, I don't know, probably about 50 feet of a real maze. And then the rest of it around it is a miniature. 
Um, yeah. That's like edited with perspective. Um, but it's interesting because that is, I think, one of the very few scenes in The Shining where you can kind of see the seams of the filmmaking, you know? Like, it looks yeah. great, but if you look at it, you can tell, like, oh, yeah, that's how they did it. There's The, the outside is miniatures and the inside is real. Um, yeah. But they're able to literally practically do something that Stanley Kubrick wasn't able to do. They're able to put a camera yeah. on a drone and play that same sort of play with that same sort of language, you know. But they don't have to use visual effects. They could just do it for real, which I think is fascinating. Um, mm. And just because on the subject of visual effects, I love that they just brought in actors to play the old roles instead of yeah. doing some bullshit where they recreate or de-age and somebody. It- the very first time that you saw little Danny, it, it did catch me off guard a little bit. I was like, that's not, that's not Danny. But then I just accepted it. I was like, yeah. okay, we're just having actors, but that's fine. Like, after after I accepted it, it was totally fine. The first time it was a little bit like, hey, I see what you do in movies. <laughs> right, yeah. That's not actually Danny. But yeah, I don't know. And it just, I don't know. It just asks you to be like, hey, suspend your disbelief. They're the same guys. And you yeah. just have to be like, okay. Rather than trying to literally convince you that they are the same person with billions of dollars in visual effects research that look okay, you know? <laughs> Like, I, I, it's so much easier for me to suspend. It's like an Uncanny Valley thing, right? If you're just like, oh, that's a different guy. Cool. You move on totally confidently yeah. from where that is. But if you're like. But when it might be that guy, then you got to right. spend like five minutes being like, that's not it. Yeah. It's not. And, right? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> um, but I want to say that everybody who plays a role from The Shining fucking kills it in this movie. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Um, I literally, the guy who plays Dick Halloran, I would maybe not have even noticed it was not Scatman Crothers if you were just for like, this is a deleted scene from The Shining. He like looks enough like Scatman Crothers and sounds enough like him. I'm just like, oh yeah, that's him. That's Scatman Crothers. Um, the only one that I think doesn't do, isn't the best is maybe the guy who's playing Jack Nicholson. Right. And I think that's just cause it's Jack Nicholson. And how could you, right. how could you? <laughs> you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Well, because we all know that Jackson can't. So, <laughs> no, I could do it. I could have been him. Honestly, I, it was the hair. Like it. Right. Like I don't. There's something weird about the hair. Like it's a very specific hairstyle that looked fine on Jack Nicholson because it was just like his hair. But right. then they like tried to put that same hair on a guy, and it just like I don't know why that's what made it not him, but right. that's what made it not him. I would posit though that um, you knew who it was supposed to be. It's a different guy wearing a totally different outfit than you've ever seen that character in before. And you yeah. still see him and you go, oh, that's Jack Torrance. That's the dad. That's Jack Nicholson. I think that's yeah. a success in and of itself. I mean. No, totally. Um, yeah. No, it, it gets the point across. I'm just saying that, like, I'm just saying. Right. Um, I also, <laughs> the woman who plays Wendy is doing, like, the most perfect recreation of. Um, I know. When she recreates her, like, screaming when the axe comes through the door, like, it's, like, oh, it looks so close. Like, insane. I want to see someone, like, put those two, like, right next to each other. Because it looks like it's the same shot. And then you realize that it's not. And it's weird. Right. And it's, and her performance is good enough that it, like, eases you into it really successfully. Right? And, yeah. like, because, like, you see it the first time and you're, like, oh, 
that's not Shelley Duvall. I know what it's supposed to look like. And then, like, she is doing this vocal performance that sounds so much fucking like Shelley Duvall that you're immediately just like, oh, no, this rule is actually, I'm actually yeah, all no. in on this. Like, when she, like, runs out to, like, go see Danny, and she just, like, she says Danny just, like, the exact right. way that she says it, and it's just, it's so good. It's so crazy. Um, uh... I, can we talk about how that girl isn't 15? Uh, which girl? Oh, The girl I don't know. that they turn... She's not 15 years old. If you say so. Um, she's not. She's like, how old are you? She's like, she's not 15. Okay, anyway. well, let's see. Let's see what IMDB has to say. Maybe you're going to eat your words. I mean, she's just a very mature-looking 15-year-old. Could be. Let's see. She looked like she was 19 years old. I'm going to see. You're going to be embarrassed when... Whatever yeah, happens, uh-huh. let's see. Wow, this is really interesting. Snake bite, Andy. Uh, she is one year younger than you, which means when she was filming this, she was probably <laughs> sixteen. I'm just saying. Okay. I was right. No. Fuck you. I was no. What? I'm right. I just proved she you was right. Fifteen. She, she was, was okay. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was. 16 she was 16 right. i also thought she was chloe I'm grace right. moretz for a really long time but she's not hey i want to talk about rise of skywalker again no jackson this is this is episode three of jackson asks adeline what happens in rise of skywalker so you haven't seen it yet <laughs> no um i just want to know just real quick does it does lando say anything about the fact that his girlfriend is the Millennium Falcon. No, they don't. No. <sighs> no. They just no. ruined every part of it, right? Like, why don't you just... let, why don't you let Lando fuck the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, why not, Lucas? Did George? you see, did you see Solo ever? No, I know that he has a robot girlfriend that wants rights, and he's like, right. <laughs> whatever, babe. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I watched Solo again today just because I wanted okay. to. Because I'm in deep Star Wars mode right now. Yeah. So I'm just gobbling it up. Um, just gobbling. And the thing about Solo is that, like, it kind of kicks ass for, like, 45 minutes. And yeah. then there's, like, two hours left of the movie after that that just isn't good anymore. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like... It has, I don't know, it's just dumb. And Lando rules. Lando's good. And he just has this really good energy whenever they're talking about his robot girlfriend. That he's just always like, oh yeah, we're gonna go somewhere? That's cool. Um, uh, hold on, let me go find my girlfriend. I don't know what she's doing. She's a robot. Don't ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my girlfriend. She's a robot. That's all you need to know. Don't just. I don't have answers for any questions you have. My I would girlfriend, also like to the know. robot. How does that work? Uh, I have to go find her. My I have girlfriend. To, yeah. The robot, don't. Whatever. The robot. That's my girlfriend. I have to. I can't hear you. I can't hear you over the sound of the mechanical whirring, which is my girlfriend. I can't. Yeah. I can't hear you. And they try to make a gag they, out of it that, a little bit, where one of the other characters is like. So you guys are, like, together? And she's like, yeah. And the girl's like, well, how does that, like, work? And she's like, oh, it works. And that's, like, <laughs> that's like all they do. The worst. I hate it's it. Good though. It's good, though. I love it. Lando will stick his <laughs> penis in anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why, I think, because Han Solo steals the ship, 
right yeah. afterwards. And the girlfriend's in it. The robot's in the Millennium Falcon. Like in like she's on it or like she's in it? No, she's like in it in the computer system. Because okay. she dies, so they like upload her to the Millennium Falcon. Because haven't yes. you always wondered why the Millennium Falcon is such an interesting and quirky spaceship? That's why. It's because there's a person inside of it who's trapped there forever, I guess. That's, Whatever. That's stupid. That's anyway. like when they were like, do you want to know who the TARDIS's personality is? <laughs> right. I'm like, no, I don't. And like, so Lando Calrissian's girlfriend dies. Yeah. But she survives through this ship. And then immediately Han Solo just fucking steals it from him yeah, and goes not, away. Like, that's what bros do. Doesn't, okay, wait, doesn't Lando uh, fly the Millennium Falcon in uh, Return of the Jedi? Yes. Okay, so probably he got to fuck the Millennium Falcon then off screen. At some point. I would yeah. assume. No, we've had, there's like been like 20 years off screen. I'm sure at some point. <laughs> at some point Lando got to fuck the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. No, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Was it about Billy D. Williams' penis? And no, I think... I, yeah, it's just because he's like an old man in the movies now, so now <laughs> right. we don't want to talk about the fact that he fucked a robot. We don't want to so, talk about it Yeah, anymore. he can't be horny anymore because now Yeah, it's all fun and games with like... I think, I think he <laughs> does Donald flirt... Donald Glover. I think he does flirt with Leia... But right. she's also old, so, like, it's fine. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so, speaking of... D- Doctor Strange. Doctor, yep, Doctor Strange. I gotta uh, say, that scene with, like, the cat and, like, the old man dying, that got me. That yeah, got me good. That's such a really upsetting scene. No, it and is. I... I there, I have this weird thesis about this movie because really what it's about at its heart is that it's about like a fear of death, right? And yeah. like how far people are willing to go to avoid it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at its heart, Ewan McGregor's character, Danny, sort of embodies this idea that death isn't really that scary, you know? He tells yeah. people, like, we do go on, there is something beyond this world, and I don't know what it is necessarily, but you don't have that to be afraid of, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, the movie also goes really far out of its way to make death really upsetting. Anytime somebody dies in the movie, it's never, like, peaceful and chill and okay. It's always, like, really deeply unnerving and upsetting to you as a viewer whether that's the old men in the hospital or the kids who get killed or any of the true not who get vaporized you know (laughs) what they get that not out they (laughs) i didn't didn't see the old man dying as disturbing i just saw it as sad like it got me that way and that it was very sad i did not find it disturbing i thought it was very nice it's one of the few very nice deaths that we get is like the people that he gets to send off and i think i think that's part of that like thesis i think that i think they're saying that death is something that you don't have to be afraid of right and it and it is it can be scary and there is something terrible about dying before your time and right. like having your time stolen from you or whatever. But like you're saying, like it's not something that has to be scary. And the mm-hmm. one thing that I don't, I get, well, because when we get back into the Shining Hotel, into the Overlook Hotel, and all the like bad ghosts are back. Why are the the two little girls grouped in with all the bad ghosts? They just got murdered. It's not their <laughs> fault. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess all the ghosts at The Shining 
at the shining at the hotel at the hotel shining um (laughs) welcome to the hotel (laughs) shining i guess yeah i guess you're right i don't know the but in the shining the subtext is still that they're malevolent forces right Regardless of, like, who they were in life, they're still no good. In The Shining, I never read them as, like, malevolent either. I just read them as people that were also trapped there, like Danny was trapped there. Right. Like, because it's the parallel of, like, they were murdered by their dad, and that's who motivates Jack to kill his children as their dad. So I always saw them as, like, even though, like, they're scary and they're ghosts, like, them saying, come play with us forever isn't, like, mean. It's, like... They, they're like, your dad's gonna kill you. Do you want to just hang out? Like, that's always how I interpreted it. But right. I always, I don't like scary ghosts. I just want ghosts to be nice. That's yeah. all I want. <laughs> You've posited this before. Just let ghosts be nice. Yeah, Leave no. them alone. I mean, look, there's plenty of nice ghost movies. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> for instance. is a nice ghost movie. Hey, um, let's talk about Rise of Skywalker a little bit more. Well, hold on. Um, well, when they... No, I don't actually have anything to say. Okay, great. When they when they get back to the Shining Hotel, I'm gonna keep calling it the Shining Hotel. <laughs> right. I'm a three year old, but like I kind of wanted him to like kind of come in there with like a little bit of like a personality. Like I wanted it to be like coming back to like see people that he knew. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could have played it up where he's got, like, a fun relationship with the hotel, but instead they don't. And I understand why. But I kind of wanted him to be in there and be, like, kind of like, what's up, assholes? Like, how it's been? And, like, kind of, like, smirk at things when things get creepy because, like, he knows it. And I know that's a choice. I understand why they didn't make that choice. I'm just saying that's what I would want in my happy ghost movie. (laughs) Right. But also, the ghosts aren't there anymore. They're all stuck in his his noggin. They're all up there. In so, their like, coffins, uh, in their noggin coffins. When he, like, walks into it and, like, the lights, like, come on, like, above him, I wanted him to be, like, I wanted him to, like, have, like, a funny reaction or, like, smirk or be, like, oh, yeah. okay, that good to been see fun. you again. Like, something like that. Right. Because he's bested it. He's Yeah, because he's an adult dominated now. The he's hotel. Not as, he, well, he's just not as scared of it as he was when he was a kid. Right. He can, like, come back on it with, like, a new perspective. I think yeah, that totally. would have been fun. That could have been That's what cool. I want. Um, Okay. I just have a bone to pick with culture at large real quick, which is that I've heard a whole bunch of people say that this movie looks like television or like Netflix, um, which is not true, first of all. Okay. Second of all, they'd say that because this director directed two Netflix original movies that were moderately well-received. Um, but that's what, I don't think they know it, but that's what they're comparing it to. They're just saying that that stuff is worse because it was on Netflix. And they're like, oh, this looks like that other stuff, which was on Netflix. So I'm going to talk shit about it because of that, which is asinine. It's stupid. I mean, people have always been like that with like TV. Like people have always seen TV as like a secondary form of filmography art you know right yeah like like the position that like tv has gone into of like you can like do like really artistic things with television is like a new thing that like for the longest time like television wasn't art and it's like only now becoming like accepted as art yeah and i don't know and it's such a weird this is completely unrelated i am so tired of all y'all shitting on freaking on sitcoms like the big bang theory and stuff like that 
Because that's like the closest thing that we have to Shakespearean plays nowadays, and I want all y'all to sit the fuck down. Like, <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that take? Yeah, because the whole thing with Shakespearean plays is that they would have they would have like a play a week, and you only had so many days to like learn all the lines, and you memorize all the lines, and you would perform the play while learning the next play, and then you would keep going. And like that's very much to what the actors on sitcoms have to do, where they have to memorize all of the lines in a very short amount of time in order to get them out. I'm not saying that every single sitcom is a work of Shakespeare. I'm just saying they're <laughs> right. very. I'm saying it's an art form, and I feel like people don't respect it as any kind of art form. And it does have its similarities to Shakespearean plays the way that they did it as like, like as a production. I and think people pe- are always shitting on sitcoms, and I'm right. tired of it. I think you're right. I just also think that um, just because something is old doesn't make it good. You feel me? <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Shakespeare now? No, I'm talking about sitcoms. I don't know. I just think like. I don't know, it's something that I always feel like is people, like, always want to, like, protect, like, formats and genres that they love yeah. when they They're fall like, out the of... sit-down sitcom is dead, and it's like, right. first of all... But it's not. like, I don't know, I think people have the right to not care about things anymore, you know? If the yeah. multicam sitcom's gonna go out of style, it's gonna go out of style. I don't think it's wrong to stop yeah, caring about be. it, you know? No, I'm just It's kind of like clowns. Everyone's like, oh, the clown industry is going out of business. It's like, I don't know. Go fuck yourself. We don't like them anymore. Like, sorry, <laughs> you don't get to do that alone, anymore. Jackson. But like, Leave I don't know. Alone. If nobody wants to see them, what's, I don't know. Bummer. Sorry. <laughs> see ya. See you later. I just think, I, I don't think, I, whoa. People love to shit on the Big Bang Theory, and I think sometimes right. it deserves it, and then I think sometimes people are just ang- want to be angry about things. Yeah, no. And so, like, Big I Bang Theory like is not probably, that bad. I would probably dislike the Bing, the, the Bing Bongo Theory <laughs> a lot more if I wasn't always having to defend it against people that just hate it for no reason. I love that you almost just said Bing Bong Theory completely on accident. <laughs> Whatever the fuck it is, I think it's called spoonerism. Whatever it is where you like mis- mix up words in your head like right. that, I think I have that, and I think <laughs> send help. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, look, I don't think Big Bang Theory is that bad either. We're kind of on the same page about that. Yeah. I just want to say the last time I said that on the podcast, though, you made fun of me, is all, when was but whatever. That? I don't remember when it was, but I remember it. It's a deep trauma within me. That okay, I said Big Bang Theory is not that bad. I've always said that the Big Bang, the Bingo Bongo Theory is never <laughs> right. that bad. It's not horrible. It's um, not horrible. Like, it's got problems, but, like, it's no different than any other problem that any other sitcom has ever had in the history right, of totally. forever. If you think about how Friends, it, it's just crazy that we're all into Friends again now in the 21st century. Why is that? Yeah. Like, it made sense in the 90s when we didn't know any better, but now that we do know better, <laughs> right. we're just like, it's from its time, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it seems like, like, we all know that it's bad sometimes, but, like, we've just all accepted it, and we're right. like, it's it's fine, though. And okay. I'm in that boat. I really like Friends. Right. No, <laughs> right yeah, now. no, Friends is great. Friends is hilarious. I really like Friends. I like some, it's, but it's from the 90s, so sometimes they're very homophobic and sometimes right. they're very fat phobic and you just got to yeah. get over it and move on. Yeah. I mean, look, okay, here's my big take about Friends right now. It okay. It became a huge cultural phenomenon again, like five years ago, because yeah. it got put on Netflix, right? Yeah. Like, there's no other thing you could pretend it was. It was because it went on Netflix and people had easy access to it. They got excited about it. 
and it became suddenly an inextricable part of the identity of a generation, right? Again. Again, a second time, just because mm-hmm. you put it on Netflix, which is insane, which is why I don't understand if why you would ever have a TV show and not put it on a streaming service. Yeah. So much I just, I, of what I we like because... talk about as a culture right now is based on what's on streaming services. And the reason that Modern Family, I think specifically, is just a rate of example, isn't like as much a part of the conversation as some other TV shows that are equally good or not good, whatever. I don't know. I don't feel that strongly about Modern Family. Okay. But like, <laughs> it's not it's not easily accessible. So people yeah. aren't into it. And I think if they just took Modern Family and put it on Netflix, it would suddenly have an enormous comeback. Yeah. I think it's because streaming services are so new that it's taking some people a while to realize that they could be making so much more money by just putting it on Netflix. Because I think what the deterrent is, is they're like, oh, Netflix is making so much money off of us. But, like, you are also making a lot of money and will have a lot of people watching your show. Because when you take it off, like, TBS is, like, plays plays friends, like, all day long on live television. (laughs) Right. So what I do is I go on Hulu and I set it to record and then I watch it on Hulu whenever I want to. (laughs) Right. So. Well, wait, why don't you just watch it on Netflix? Because it's not on Netflix anymore. Oh, that's right. Because it's going to be on Peacock. No, it's not even going to be on Peacock. Oh, it's going to be on Peacock? No, it's going to be on HBO Max. I don't want to get HBO. I've heard that the Ghibli movies are either going to be on Netflix or on HBO Max. No, they're going to be on Netflix in other countries, but the U.S. rights are going to HBO Max. That's fucking stupid. I gotta fucking buy HBO fucking Max. Yeah. But yeah, so HBO Max somehow... I don't know how this shook out the way that it did. Because Friends is an NBC show. Um... But somehow HBO Max got the rights to it instead of NBC's own streaming service, right? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know how that shook out. But yeah, so Peacock is going to have Parks and Rec, and um, I think Netflix managed to keep The Office, but they're taking Parks and Rec and putting it on Peacock, and um, Seinfeld is going to be on Peacock also. Those are the things that they're latching on to. Is Seinfeld even on anything? It's on Hulu right now, but I think once it gets on Peacock, it's just going to switch over. Gotcha. And Peacock is maybe going to have the Adventure Zone cartoons. So right, yeah. Cool. No, I saw that, that they ordered a pilot for Adventure Zone. Yeah. Um, if they do that, I'll buy it. If they don't do that, I'm going <laughs> right. to really grit my teeth and be like, I don't know about this. I'm really fascinated by this whole streaming wars thing. Um, I get Apple TV Plus for free with my Apple Music subscription. Yeah. Um, and they got a lot of weird stuff. It's Apple TV Plus is the most interesting one to me because they don't have any licensed content, right? Yeah. You're signing up, and the only thing you're getting is Apple TV Plus original shows. Um, I watched Dickinson for a little while. I never finished it, but that was pretty okay. I was medium into it. I was not into it enough to finish it, but I watched it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And now the M. Night Shyamalan show, uh, Servants, I'm kind of into. I haven't finished that yet either, but I'm working my way through it slowly. Cool, 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 cool. Um, but they've got, like, a pretty big lineup of original stuff that's rolling out really regularly, which I think is fascinating. And I have to wonder if it's going to have legs as a service just because they don't have, 
whatever mm-hmm. Seinfeld or well, you can't so get on there reason, and watch Modern Family. Yeah, the reason that Netflix makes so much money and like can do no wrong with their original content is because their original content has to be so bad that you would unsubscribe from the service <laughs> altogether. Right. So they never lose any money no matter like how much something like flops, like it doesn't matter. They're not losing any money off of it. Right. But I think when you have all original content i think you do lose some of your like rewatchability. like i just like sit down and i just like watch a tv show just like on in the background i just like always have the office on or friends or whatever right and but if you have like original content if it's not like that if i'm not gonna re-watch your original content then i think at some point you are gonna lose subscribers if right. what you're making is not good you know? yeah no and that's what's tricky about apple tv is that the things they have at least at launch they've launched a whole bunch of new stuff since then but they had that jason momoa show that was like kind of a bird box thing but it was like jason a society <laughs> a society where everyone's blind but one man can see and it's post-apocalyptic and whatever and mm-hmm. everybody said that sucked. And then they had that show with fucking Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston about a morning show that was like a drama that everybody hated. Oh, and yeah, nobody liked that. a show that nobody cared about, about astronauts that nobody really liked. And then Dickinson, which people were like a little bit into, but it was not at all popular. So like, yeah. they just didn't have anything that anybody cared about at launch. <laughs> so like, I don't think yeah. anybody really signed up for it, but... I don't know. I guess we'll just see if they're going to step up their game as they move forward and if that's going to continue to be. Because I've been watching that M. Night Shyamalan show. It's pretty good. I always forget the title of it because it's a bad title. It's called Servant. Um, But, like, I've, I don't know. I've been invested in that. So, I don't know. I wonder. But, you know, if I had to pay for it, I definitely wouldn't. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I am only here because it is free. Exactly. Yeah. So, I have to wonder in the next year or two if they're going to be like, oh, we got fucking Quentin Tarantino to direct a limited series starring Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. That's right, bitch. They're back together. Like, (laughs) just see if they pull something like that or if they're going to be like, um, we have a limited series starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. About dogs. About dogs. The pitch is Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a dog and they and become unlikely friends. Through the eyes of a dog. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I'm just really curious to see how that goes. Anyway, Doctor Sleep, directed by yeah. Mike Flanagan. Um, I thought you were going to say Michael Bay and I was like, incorrect. <laughs> I like I that they say, spend so much time in this movie just, like, getting... What? No. <laughs> okay. Just getting you acquainted with Dan and his life yeah. and, like, what his deal is. Like, before the plot even yeah. kicks in at all, you spend a good 15 or 20 minutes being like, here's Dan. It hasn't been going so good for him, but here's the story of where he lives now and how he kind of turned it around. And now he's doing better. And it feels good when he, like, gets into Alcoholics Anonymous and, like... Yeah. Builds a that, happy life for himself. That scene, though, with the dead mom and the baby... Yeah, ...is, like, hardcore. hauntingly good. Yeah. But we kind of just move on from it. Like, there's right. never any closure about that. And that feels really weird, especially with this movie's relationship about death. Because, uh-huh. like, she's not, like, angry. She seems kind of desperate for him to help her. And then we don't... We I kind of want him to, like, make a phone call to somebody and be like, hey, I think... Right. I think she's dead because she says, like, they haven't, yeah, like, they haven't found us yet. So I feel like 
Especially, like, with his connection to, like, the other side. I feel like he should have done something, and it was weird that he didn't. Right. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I don't know. I I think... I'm just trying to think through that emotional bit and what I would have done with it. Like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think... Yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit vague because you don't necessarily know what the ghost wants from him, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't know what the ghost's motivation is for showing up and saying they haven't found us yet. Besides that, maybe she wants to be found and buried, right? I guess. Yeah, I don't well, know because she's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It. But it's yeah. No, it's so effective, especially having seen that, and also just the scene where he wakes up in the bed the first time and Dick Halloran's just like, "Yo, dog, don't." steal her yeah. money that's why well, it's because it's because you know that it's his it's well it's not really his fault that she died but you know that he could have done something to keep her from dying and right. left instead you know mm-hmm. like when like that whole scene where he wakes up and he like throws up and he like gets the money and like the baby wakes up and he just kind of like puts the baby by the mom because he doesn't really know what to do right. like it's kind of comedic and like how horrible everything is right yeah and then to have that like come around and be like hey dog she's fucking dead now it's been like two days and she's dead now like it's it's just really really harsh and really right. effective and then I feel like we just move on too quickly like I need some kind of closure with that you yeah know? no totally I don't think I don't think it's meant to be implied that she like dies like immediately afterwards I think it's just something else later right I don't oh, know I interpret it I interpret it as like she, like so she dies because of something that was affecting her while Dan was still there, you know. Right. Yeah. And then it's like he leaves and she dies, and then the baby dies because she's dead. Right. No yeah. To take care of it. I she mean, talks about like how he cries and no one came because they're used to him crying. Right. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I'm just trying to remember the timeline, like when it actually shows up and how long it takes him to like go over there and get an apartment or whatever. I don't know. Also, and especially because she's naked as a ghost. Oh, that's that true. like, she died really soon. That she died, like, that. right there. Yeah, could yeah. be. Anyway, um, I think it's hilarious how much apartments cost in movies. Um, yeah, $85 <laughs> a week. That's great. Uh, or a month. Oh, wait, she said is. week? No, I think she said a month. I think I just Right, because, yeah, $85 a month is insane. I mean, I'm not going to, like, dox my financial numbers right now, but I'm not paying $85 a month for my apartment <laughs> right now. Gotta say. And, like... What they're trying to say is, like, oh, it's a really small town, so the price of living is low and whatever. But, like, I also live in a very small town, and, like, dog, it's you're not going to get $85 a month anywhere, especially considering how dope that apartment is. It rules. Yeah, that's a dope ass. She's like, he's got this stupid chalkboard wall. And I'm like, that's dope as hell. I <laughs> yeah. have one of those, and it's dope as hell. And I love the chalkboard wall as an idea because... And how they use it. Yeah, because yeah, it never changes, right? Like... Mm-hmm. They they every time they write something on it, it like stays there for the rest of the story. So it serves as <laughs> what are you laughing about? I know it's like a plot point and it's very dramatic when it actually happens, but I'm just thinking about baseball boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's kinda of funny. Um but it like serves as this like physical like log of their interactions, you know. I yeah. just think it's kinda of cool. And it and like shows you cool that... that it's like they use it as like a metaphorical wall that Danny has kind of like put up like against like his shining right. because he like instead of shining he communicates her t- this way and then once he's like okay I have to shine then he stops using the chalkboard altogether and he starts using his shining so I think it's really cool how they use it as like an actual barrier right like between what he 
the thing that I said. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. No. I get you. Um, also, since we're I don't know. I guess we're kind of near the baseball boy death scene. There's a yeah. quote um, that somebody who worked on the the production said that um, when Jacob Tremblay showed up for that day, uh, he's the boy. He's like this yeah. famous child actor right now who shows up in like all kinds of stuff. But um, I have to find the quote here. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Jacob Tremblay gave this, like, insane haunting performance as this boy who's being, like, tortured and killed. And everybody yeah. on set was like, oh, my God, that was fucking hardcore. Like, should we, like, he needs a break, maybe. And then he, quote, got up, high-fived his dad, and went straight to craft services. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so good. I just love That's that so, so much. High-fived his dad and went straight to craft services. <laughs> He earned those craft services. Good on you, Jacob. Get himself a fucking donut. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. <laughs> um, I like the moment where Rose the Hat... Okay, actually, first of all, I don't know I don't know how I feel about, like, the names and the gimmicks of all the ladies and the true not... Not ladies, people. They're not all ladies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I... Overall, I really like the villains... Right. I like the idea of these, like, immortal... It, it, it's all very magical BS, right. way more than the original Shining is, but once you just accept it, it's fine. Like, I like the idea of, like, these, like, ageless guys that, like, hunt down people with magic powers and eat their magic powers. Like, I like that. I like that they, like, actually have a relationship to each other. And that I, I think it's kind of cool that they're, like, a caravan... But yeah, like, it's them having all, like, weird names just feels like, it feels like a stupid bullshit Harry Potter rule that they just don't establish. Right. Like, it's like, oh, you can't have your real name. You have to be Snakebite now, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. No, and I, somebody it's pointed like out. It's like your warrior cat's name. You have to have your <laughs> own name. Right. Somebody described Rebecca Ferguson's performance as, like, how funny it is that She's playing this, like, immortal, magical torturer, and she chooses to play it like a single woman at a Steve Miller Band concert. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. It is, it's cool. Um, But I was going to say, I like the sequence in the grocery store. I know, I really like that. It's this sort of weird, benign area that people don't necessarily use very much in movies, and it's just kind of cool to, like, see something cool and exciting happen in one, you know, and it's just um, lit like a fuzz. regular grocery store. But I, what did you yeah, say? I really like that too because it like it puts them back into societal context because mm-hmm. we've seen them do something horrible and atrocious and like with all these magical things, like they're so just like far beyond everything. But they, they still gotta have toilet paper though, so like it's <laughs> right, yeah. it's, it's fun to put them back into the context of society. I think that's cool, right? I also like that Abra is just, like, into anime. I think that's a cool I know, with all her Ruby <laughs> character posters. Choice, yeah. yeah. And then when she's, like, attacking Rose, she, like, has green anime hair because that's how she wants to, I know, I like, present that herself. I know, like, that's weird. It's so fun. I don't know. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, no. And, um, oh, what was I going to say? Go ahead. Oh, there's that line that they have when there's, like, the dad's, like, we got to call 911 FBI. And Danny just says, like, he's like, I don't think they're worried about the police. I'm like, that's totally fair. They're, like, magical people or whatever. And he's like, I think they're super rich. They have connections. And there's like, these people are living out of the backs of, like, RVs. I do not think <laughs> right. that they are rich with crazy connections. I think they're just magic people who don't give a shit. Right. I also, I like the moment when Abra and Dan, like, meet for the first time. 
Yeah. And they're like in the park. And it's kind of cool because it's like kind of fun because they do have this relationship and they want to. Yeah, their dynamic is very fun. Yeah, they want to like talk to each other. But like Dan is also afraid of getting canceled at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, just these days, you know, people, I don't want people to see us like this. It's like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, (laughs) Well, it's because there's there's themes of like sex and stuff like that because it's the shining and that's right. one of the themes that's in the shining they like kind of like they, they they put like seeds of like talking about like underage sex and like rape in that but then right. they like kind of don't they like just like kind of put the seeds there and then like kind of dance around it and they're like actually never mind and it's like okay right yeah um understandable but you know <laughs> <laughs> i really like the sequence um when dan is talking to dick halloran um afterwards like after he's like met the girl and all that and he's like i just don't understand why why it's like my responsibility like why do i have to be the person who's like connected to her and helps her and dick is just like dude you just walked into my kitchen one day and now it's like 80 years later and i'm still hanging out with you now i'm (laughs) a fucking ghost and i'm still talking to you (laughs) yeah i know i just think it's really funny and he's just like okay yeah i guess that's fair he's like yeah (laughs) i think he says you just walked into my kitchen one day and i'm still on the hook I was like, yeah. yeah, I like that line I a lot. I gotta say, I really like the ending of the place burning down and the police, like, coming in the distance as she, like, sits there and she's like, Danny, get out, Danny, get out. I think that's really great. And I think that's where the movie should have ended. I think her talking to ghost Danny is just kind of stupid because yeah. they're trying, they're, like, trying to do a gotcha moment where it's like, oh, he's he's dead. You you thought he was maybe alive, but he's dead. And it's like, no, I yeah. kind of, I, first of all, I knew he was dead. Second of all, he just kind of tells her that her powers can be good, which I guess is kind of important. But the fact that he says shine on does make me want to die <laughs> a little no, bit. No, it's good. I like that. Shine on. <laughs> <laughs> keep on shining abra and he i'm says, like okay shine bright like a diamond like a diamond i um, i do like the parallel of her uh also kicking the shit out of the bathtub witch because that bitch just right. keeps trying to eat children and she just has no luck yeah, with it i know i was gonna say i i like the symmetry of Ewan McGregor being a force ghost, kind of like how Dick Halloran <laughs> was for him at the beginning, you know? I don't know. Uh-huh. I like the last scene because I like the exchange between the mom and the daughter where she says to her, like, you know, life goes on and you don't have to be mm-hmm. worried about grandma or dad or whatever. Kind of like yeah. Ewan McGregor does to the old man in the hospital at the beginning. I don't know. I like that last scene. I think it's good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just because it's just... I guess I just kind of want, like, a dramatic ending like the shining had like with that picture of jack nicholson and it's like so like weird but you're like oh well and then i just feel like we don't get that with this movie which is fine because it's a different movie but right yeah no i I mean the shining the shining ends like right at right at the action you know like it doesn't it doesn't take an extra five minutes to like decompress and like break down what just happened at the end it's It's like like, danny and what's her face get out of there and then they are out of there yeah totally um I um I don't know. I love the whole sequence in the Overlook. I'm not even gonna lie, because it's just it's very like, fun. It's and it's so insane how uncanny it feels seeing these like frame perfect like uh, not frame perfect. That's a stupid phrase to use. These like perfectly recreated shots from The Shining with like a full production value, but they're 
just different. Like, everything's all decrepit and old and broken down. And it's weird the, like, psychological effect it has on you, you know? I do wish that they used the content a little bit better. Like, they will have, like, the shots that match, but then the content of what's actually happening in the shots doesn't match at all. Like, they have that super cool exchange where, like, Danny is going up the stairs with the axe and what's, and Rose is, like, going up the stairs, mirroring that scene with right. Jack Nicholson, like, following her while he's, like, showing the baseball bat at her. And then, like, that's really cool. And I was like, oh, that's the exact same shot. But it didn't heighten the scene at right. all because what they were doing was so different and the dynamic was so different that uh-huh. it's... Like, it was a really cool Easter egg, and it, like, grabbed my attention. It's like it's like the blood coming out of the elevators. Like, it grabs my attention, and then they don't use it to propel right. what they're doing. I love when he swings the axe at her, though, and the camera follows the axe, like, in The Shining. That's, like, my favorite yeah. moment in this whole movie. I think they, that rules. Yeah, he, they do that twice. He They do that again when he's going to attack Abra. They right. that thing. Because he swings the axe exactly how Jack Nicholson swings <laughs> right, the axe. Right, yeah. And then, but yeah, and then he's, like, running around in the hallways when he's possessed and he's, like, yeah. running like Jack Nicholson. See, I yeah. it, they lose me a little bit when they're, like, oh, and now I'm going to unleash all the Overlook ghosts from my brain to attack you. It's like, what's this? I don't know if I can get this. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and then they're, like, you're not, you're not Danny, you're the hotel. And I'm, like, <laughs> right. scoozy. And it's, like, it's kind of cool in just, like, a strictly blockbuster kind of way, but it's just, like, yeah, I don't no, know. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, when he's possessed by all the ghosts and he walks around with one milky eye, like a zombie, and you're, like, I don't, yeah. this isn't, this isn't as subtle as the rest of the movie is, you yeah. know? Um, but I don't know. It still works at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. Um, that bitch in the bathtub can just not catch a break. <laughs> She's trying to get Danny, and she puts, gets put in the box. And then she, Abra goes into the room that she's in. And then, Ab- like, literally, Abra's just like, fuck you, lady. And then they move on. And <laughs> yeah, then she tries to get her again at the end of the movie. And then you know that bitch got put into another box. Like, <laughs> right. just, just go to hell or whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Um, I want to point out something kind of poetic. The boiler, there's a lot of steam coming out of it. Kind of like the steam of people who have shine. By the way, my my good pitch for what I would have called this book if I were Stephen King is I would have called it the steaming. Because it's kind of the same thing. Right, except they they call it steam instead of shine, so I would call it the steaming instead. Yeah, that's what I would call it. I would it. call it um, the shining too. Uh, sem semi title below that. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi is really hot. <laughs> the shining too, even shinier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, um, the one thing that did confuse me, like plot wise, is that I thought. I know that they say don't go into 237 because that's, like, where something really bad happens. But I always thought that the lady in the bathtub was, like, specifically, like, was it was that because it was Jack. And Jack has all those hang-ups about, like, sex and women and stuff. Right. So I was confused that when anybody else went to 237, it was just always that woman. I thought it was, like, because isn't the thing that Danny opens it and we don't get to see what he sees? That's true. Remembering that wrong. No, yeah, no, that's right. I mean... Yeah. And I I think that's just part of the tightrope walk of this whole Doctor Sleep versus The Shining source material thing. Because in the book, they're really explicit about that woman. They're like, oh, she's this old woman who is constantly, like, 
catfishing teenagers and she would bring these like 18 year old boys into her room all the time and then one day she just suddenly like went into her room and never came out and like a week later they checked in and she was dead in the bathtub and she had been rotting there for like a week and a half so she was all decomposed right yeah um that's like one of the mini ghosts in the overlook so it's like a really specific thing in the book so Mm -hmm. presumably when they're adapting it Kubrick's version is a little more abstract. It's just he goes in there and there's this horrible witch. Um, but what? And I, we've just both called her a witch, and I don't know why, right. where that came from. Um, but, you know, but it's a lot more specific in the book. So it's part of that making decisions on whose who's take on yeah. the story you want to pull from more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta say, I do love that scene where, like, Danny, like, goes to, like, kind of confront his dad, and he's, like, trying to have a conversation with him about, like, what happened, and he's like, I'm Lloyd, and, like, just, like, how... <laughs> right, yeah. And then he, like, kind of breaks the facade a little bit, and it's like, okay, how much of this is Jack Torrance, and how much of this is the hotel, and, like, right. how much is it? Like, it's just, it's a really complicated scene, I think it's really good. Right. And I love that in that scene when they're talking... Like, Dan is just, like, holding the glass the entire time, like, not drinking out of it, just mm-hmm. considering. I don't know. And I, I also just like the idea that um, Jack Torrance is just, like, one of the Overlook ghosts now. I think that's... I know. I love that. I think that's fun. Um, so, and I don't know. I just think the fact that the boiler explodes and the hotel burns down is fucking genius. It's just because, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, because you know it from the book. I think that's the one thing in the book that I almost wished would have happened in the Kubrick movie, right? Yeah. Because it's such a cool and interesting thing, and they set it up so early in the book, it's like, that's one of your duties. It's like, this boiler's yeah. real old, and if you don't if you don't tend to it once a day, it's like, shit's really gonna go wrong. And it's yeah. one of those things that they, like, are constantly reminding you of, that, like, if, if something goes wrong, this boiler will just fucking explode and burn the whole hotel down, you know? Yeah, well, I think it is because in the book, when the boiler explodes, like, that's a pretty definitive ending. Like, a building can't be haunted anymore if the building's not fucking there, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. And then with Stanley Kubrick's, with him just, like, freezing to death, first of all, that's... Like, I don't know. I like how, like, slow that is. And, like, he just, like, can't fucking get out of the maze. Like, he's, like, the maze in his head. And he just, like, can't get out of it. And I think that's great. And then, like, the way that it ends with, like, Jack in suddenly in all the pictures in the hotel. I like that it, like, eerily goes on without explanation. Right, yeah. And because you know in the spring... Well, you don't know because this movie tells you that doesn't. But, like, in the spring, you know that people are gonna come back here and it's just gonna be the same old hotel and this right. like, kind of weird cycle is just gonna continue. So, I don't know. I think I do... I, I, I do like the Stanley Kubrick decision of, like, kind of not ending it, but just, like, kind of letting it, like, go on. Letting it continue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, especially since they sort of set up the cyclical nature of the story right at the beginning, you know? Oh, yeah, because right they're like, the oh, there's another like, dad here in the yeah. same position, and he killed his children. And it's like, okay, you're the guy in this position, and you're going to kill your children. Right, yeah. And, I mean, not to just gush about The Shining. The Shining's my favorite movie of all time. The I've seen it <laughs> so many times. Um, but I, um, it's, I don't know, the thing that's so genius about The Shining is that he doesn't, kill his wife and kid at the end I know, they're setting you great. up so much from the very beginning to be like yo they're gonna die this is like kind of a slasher movie and we're telling yeah. you like directly to your face like right from the beginning like this is what's gonna happen this is the subtext but then it, it doesn't and you have all this like built-up energy from like expecting yeah. them to get killed and then 
they like it's not like a big relief it's just like suspense 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 and then they get in the crawler or the snowmobile yeah and they drive away and then like that's the end that's it yeah. And you, like, have all this energy built up that you were expecting to, like, get released by them getting killed, you know? But yeah. they just never do. And so the credits roll, you just sit there and you're, like, vibrating because you're like, yeah. ah, ah, whoa, what? Ah. It's, kind of, it's just kind of like this, like, slow release as, like, you realize that the movie is over and that Jack is dead. Like, it's, <laughs> right, like, yeah. it's not sudden, like, because, ah, oh, God, like, that ending shot of them, like, zoomed in on his face in the picture, and then, like, the next one, it zoomed out more, and then it zoomed out more, and then it zoomed out more. I, it's the opposite, actually, where it's just the whole yeah, it's and pulling they zoom in. in on his picture. Like, it's just the fact that it's so slow, and sometimes, and the first time it takes you a second to realize that it's Jack, it's just, like, totally mirrors your, like, your adrenaline as you're, like, so <laughs> on edge that you just right. kind of slowly release. Yeah. Um, the Shining's good, man. Yeah, the Shining's so good. I don't think we could ever do a podcast on The Shining. I don't think we'd be no, able to articulate No, there's several it. movies that we could never do, because it'd just be like, The Shining's really good, man. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a project right now where I talk about The Shining a lot. It's a secret, wow. but um, so oh, you'll see it soon. Oh, is this a secret you've had for like four years? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, see. I, I have video ideas. I just need to get... First of all, I need to get an external hard drive, and second of all, I need to save up money, and I need to get a good camera, because it would just... I I need that. Um, Yeah, I've been brainstorming about um, starting a separate YouTube channel, um, and just have, like, No Nerds Allowed podcast be one thing, and No Nerds Allowed as just a general, like, video channel be a different thing. I think that would help us, um, just in terms of building an audience, I guess. I don't know, because I don't feel like... Yeah, I just think it would be different. I don't know. We should finish the podcast before we talk about this. Um, You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else we want to say before I before I get into our one-star review? I, I mean, the kind of the elephant in the room. Maybe not. I don't know. I really I really like the girl. I really like Abra. It, right. I do, this, this movie pulls a shining where they kill all of the minorities. Right. <laughs> and... It, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Here, okay, I mean, I have a take about The Shining only killing Dick Halloran. Um, yeah, because they were making, it was like a meta commentary about the film industry. And like, I get that. Right. I mean, to me, I mean, I don't know. I don't, nobody knows what his real intent was. But to me, what I read yeah. it like is that the whole movie is, by all accounts, like this sort of metaphor for like genocide there's a lot of imagery about like native american genocide and nazi yeah, it's like on holocaust the ground and all that stuff. And, yeah. yeah and i think what it's doing is it's making it's making this idea of genocide feel more personal because it puts it on a smaller scale right mm-hmm. um and what i think is important is the fact that the only black character in the story is the one who ends up dead even though he's not really hasn't done anything to I mean, not that... Warned I'm try- being killed. Exactly. Um, and I think that's important. I think Kubrick is really explicitly... Because Dick Halloran doesn't die in the book, right? They made a really yeah, explicit decision thing. to kill Dick Halloran uh, in the movie. I think it's specific that it's like he's saying, like, this thing, when these horrible things happen, they happen to people who are brown or whatever it may be you know yeah um they happen to minorities and oppressed people not just the people who are 
mm-hmm. would logically be affected by it, you know? Yeah. And anyway. I mean, there definitely is something to say about the fact that the killer is a straight white male and he's mm-hmm. attacking the people who he's supposed to be protecting. He's protecting, he's attacking his wife and his child. Right. So, I mean, there definitely is a conversation going on about, like, yeah. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, totally. Um, what were we talking about? What was your, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I like the little girl, too. I think she's good. Like. Well, it's it's it just really bugged me. I because I really what's his name Billy the best friend. Right. Oh, who? The guy that gives him the job and gives him the room and goes on the. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they kind of kill him in a way that I think is kind of stupid. I right. I, I don't think it's stupid. I think it makes sense. I don't like that the movie doesn't put any stock in like he shoots himself and then we move on like i right, feel like it yeah. doesn't give him his dues and then they do the same thing with the dad where the dad is just like in the background of the shot and has a knife in him and it's like okay it, these are like important deaths and the movie's just like sailing right past them and then mm-hmm. it doesn't help that they are like the majority of the minority characters like you right. still have abra and i think she's the saving grace of it not being a racial discussion because she is also black but yeah, it's I don't I don't know. Especially I mean, because with the history know. of that conversation in The Shining, I think it was a weird decision to make and not make so strongly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think um I mean, first of all, I've said this about other things before. Um this movie's already real long. First of yeah, all. Yeah, no. A. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand. Um but B, there but is also just, a director's cut. We could just cut out that shot of her flying around cuz nobody <laughs> right. needs yeah, that. Yeah, no, I don't like that shot at all. But there is a director's cut that I haven't seen. Um, uh-huh. that is like a full half hour longer. It's like a full three hour movie. Um, mm-hmm. and people have been saying it's like really, really cool. And they add a lot of really interesting and really cool scenes. I don't know what all they are. They might give more weight to those deaths and have a little more yeah. space to breathe. I don't know for certain. I've just heard really, really good things about the director's cut, which I have yet to watch. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just know. seems just so that. weird. Cause that's like such like a pivotal conversation about the shining is that death and why they do that. So it seems weird to like kind of do the same thing, but then like not make a big deal out of it. Like not go whole hog about it, you know? Like if right. you're going to like have that conversation, have that conversation, but instead they just kind of do it and then move on. Yeah, th- this movie sometimes just does things because they were in The Shining, right. but then doesn't use it to their advantage. To their they fall. just use it for no reason. Right. It's kind of like what people say about Ready Player One, right? Because Ready Player One is all about these pieces of iconography from famous pop culture, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't take into account any of the things that those pieces of iconography mean, mean. or represent, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, the bike from Akira. I haven't seen Akira, but I'm told there's a lot of metaphorical subtext about the bike specifically. The bike from Akira <laughs> shows up a lot. They go to the Overlook Hotel and that's a whole set piece set in the Overlook, which I actually really like, but still. Um, and, you know, the Iron Giant has a lot of really intense, like, mm-hmm. subtextual elements to just the fact, like, what it is. But the movie doesn't yeah, care about any of those things. He's not just a big ro- robot. Yeah, the movie cares that he's a big, cool robot that you have on your nerdy coffee mug you bought on Etsy, you know? Yeah. Um, that you got in your, what is it, the, that you got in your geek crate. Right, in your <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, you've got Iron Giant t-shirts from your loot crate. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, and I think there's sort of a similar argument to be made for this, that it's just sort of using the iconography because it knows it, and it's, you know, kind of relevant, but it's not really delving into what those things originally 
meant in yeah. the movie, you know? Exactly. I think that's my biggest criticism of this movie, um, is that they do, they do do really cool, they do do, <laughs> they do really cool things, but then they just don't use them to, like, their advantage. Right, totally. Um, so, Adeline, would you rather hear a five-star review or a one-star review of Dr. Sleep? Which do you think is funnier? I don't know. One of them's... F- uh, we'll see. Oh, super quick. I didn't have a trivia time for this episode because this movie's too new. Um, the really there good... hasn't been years of people saying stupid <laughs> right, stuff yeah. like with all the other movies. The really good trivia really blossoms when it comes out on home video. And this movie just That's came out true. on home video a few a few days ago. Anyway, um, okay, so this review is um, one star from letterbox.com. This person says, Exactly as I was expecting. He's ruined everything that was good about the story by making it a PG-13 fantasy movie with terrible CGI and nothing even remotely scary happening. This movie definitely isn't PG-13. No, yeah, I just want to point out, this movie is a hard R. Like, it is, yeah. <laughs> it is definitely you, not PG-13. they murdered a kid? Yeah. Were you there? <laughs> And this person, not to, like, go into it, this person continues to talk about how the things that he doesn't like about it are the CGI effects. He's like, people get made fun of for using glowy eyes and gray skeletons all the time, but when this movie does it, it's good. Like, as if that's the only thing that matters about the movie is the visual effects that they're choosing to use. Whatever. It's like, it's not even like they tried to do something in full CGI. Like, they didn't even do that. It's just like an effect on a thing. And you're like, oh my god. The effects are garbage. I've seen somebody with glowing eyes before. I don't want to see anybody with glowing eyes ever again. If they... I can do that on TikTok right now. (laughs) If those eyes glow, it's a bad film. I don't make the rules. I just work here. (laughs) By choice, because this is just a place where I can put my bad opinion. Right. <laughs> oh, I. This is no nerds allowed. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. This podcast is bad anyway. And I'm Adeline McMurray. <laughs> and this is No Nerds Allowed, starring me. Oh, does that mean we have to vamp out again? I I thought I already vamped out one time. Do I have to vamp well, out a second time? You vamp once, and then you do the intro, and then you vamp again. Okay. The double vampire. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Podcast over. Everybody, go home. It's done. We're done talking about it. Why are you still vamping? Because <laughs> I had to vamp still. Stop vamping. The outro is still playing. <laughs>